Welcome to the Brave Feminine Leadership Podcast, where we share stories from amazing leaders just like you and me. We break down myths of leadership, imposter syndrome, and we ask what brave feminine leadership means and does it need to change? All of these interviews were originally recorded in video format. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Brave Feminine Leadership for news on when new video series will be dropping. It's wonderful to meet you. Drop me a note if the content resonates. Melissa at bravefeminineleadership.com. Let's get brave. Welcome to our conversation on brave feminine leadership. I'm thrilled this morning to welcome Colette Worden to the conversation. Great to have you here, Colette. Thanks for um, asking me, Melissa. This is good stuff. Glad to be a part of it. Fantastic. So before we jump into the conversation, I'll just provide a very brief uh, background so people have a little understanding about who you are and then we'll jump straight in. So Colette Worden is the founder and CEO of Australia's only full suite personal branding agency for industry leaders. Colette equips entrepreneurs and professionals with the tools, skills and abilities to show up with confidence online and offline. Colette's armed with the belief that people don't buy products and services, they buy people. So she shares practical strategies about self-confidence and self-esteem um, and antidotes to help people overcome a critical mind when it challenges someone's ability to market themselves. Before beginning her business at the age of 29, Colette was diagnosed with clinical depression, severe anxiety and schizophrenia. And her approach in the industry is greatly influenced by all that she learned on her road of self-discovery and the rebirth of her own confidence and self-esteem. Colette, you have an amazing story and I feel very privileged to be able to share that with our audience. So once again, thank you so much for joining. Can I ask, um, just as a starting point, for people who haven't had the pleasure of coming across you before, could you just share a little bit more about yourself and, and maybe what did you do, um, you know, going right back um, before this business launched? Lisa, I don't know if you've heard this saying, but um, it goes along the lines of we teach others what we heal through. And it's really ironic, if you will, that I'm in an industry that's focused on identity and self-confidence and how one shows up in the world. Because I would say for a very large part of my life, I struggled with that mm. a lot. Um, you know, when I first you know, left high school, I really struggled with high school. I had no idea why I was here, what I wanted to do with my life. I didn't belong anywhere. Well, this is the thinking that I was telling myself. So leaving high school, I thought, okay, well, I always go to university and I'll do marketing because marketing was just something that I thought would be fun. And I lasted one week. I was like, oh, this is, this is really not for me. I was hanging to go out into the real world and experience real life experiences, you know, just get my hands dirty and learn things, you know, that way. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to do university. I'm just going to approach marketing agencies and advertising agencies with what would call a marketing campaign. And I would say, I'll work for free, cleaning your floors. I just want to start from the bottom. I just want to start right from the bottom. And I went on this little adventure. No one was really giving me a shot until I landed at this interview with a woman who just saw something in me. And she just said, look, you don't get the job, but have you ever considered doing TV presenting? Because I think you would be so great at it. And I was like, TV presenting? No way. 
way. Like, I, I know I don't want to, I don't know, I don't know what I want to do with my life, but TV presenting is definitely not it. And then I left that uh, interview and she sent me an email afterwards. She said, look, if you do ever contemplate doing this, do this course, I think you'll love it. I left it, I put it to the side. Weeks later, Melissa, I still wasn't getting a job. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll just give this a shot. And I approached the business that was running this course. And I said, look, I'm interested. And they said, good timing. It starts, it was in a matter of weeks. And I remember the first day, Melissa, I stood in front of this camera in, in front of a group of, there were 15 people in this group and I forgot my name huh. and I buckled. I was like, I, I, it's just this, the freeze, my nervous system went to freeze and I just, I couldn't even compose myself. And I remember leaving that class and going, I'm never ever, ever doing that again. Sounds like the perfect place for someone who didn't view themselves as terribly confident. Right? Talk about a shock to the nervous system. It was like, it, I was in shock mode. And when I left, I was like, yeah, I'm never doing this again. And I was lying in bed that night and I remember looking up at the ceiling and going, hold on a second, what's really happening here? It's a piece of metal that I can pick up and smash, that I'm, that I'm, portraying has more power over me so I remember getting up putting a chair in front of my bed and talking to the chair and I just said to myself Colette just talk to the chair and see how you feel and I, I spoke to the chair and I was like okay what the, my real fear is then is what people are thinking of me yeah as they're watching me and I thought well, why does that matter because what matters most is what I think about myself mm. so I went on this this whole mind adventure of connecting my, myself to a camera and feeling confident in front of a camera. And I got the hang of it. And I remember leaving that, that um, course and I landed eight Channel 31 gigs. I went on to Foxtel, went to Channel 10. I got an agent and I was like, oh, wow, like this is fun. Mm. I was traveling around Australia presenting on restaurants and fun things. Mm. And then there was a moment in time where it's like, okay, it's like, I realized that what I was doing, I felt had no meaning or substance whatsoever. And I wanted to do something a little bit more meaningful. And the place that I would, that I learned how to do TV presenting asked me, look, we've seen you on TV. Do you want to teach TV presenters? Our trainer's leaving. And I was like, okay, sure. I'll give it a shot. Got the hang of that. And then the same CEO said to me, we run an image development course and you're really getting a hang of this teaching thing. Do you want to teach that? And I'm still to this day very grateful to uh, this woman who saw potential within me because I wasn't seeing it within myself at the time and said, Would you, do you want to do this course? And Melissa, that really transformed a lot for me because in one of two ways. Number one, whilst I was doing TV presenting, I, I, it was a battle for me in each and every time, like looking at myself at the camera, not liking what I was seeing, um, all the motivation that I needed to do beforehand was exhausting. And so when I started teaching other women about image development and who they see in the mirror, I realized that I had a lot of things that I needed to learn myself. And, and the teachings also allowed me to have a look at the image development, image development industry of the last 55 years and go, wow, we are still using body shapes to label a woman's body and telling her what she can and can't wear. We are still... Um, faking it till we make it, which something is something that I really do not celebrate. Mm. And I was seeing these women come into the room who 
were so like the resumes were, were full of accomplishments and they still didn't feel like they were good enough at anything. They still didn't want to put their hand up for opportunities or take a photo of themselves for a headshot because they just felt so insecure within themselves. Well, I remember just to jump in, I mean, I remember when you and I first met and I think that was you, you weren't working for this organisation anymore. You had created your own business. And so I want to dig into the story of that, but yeah, I remember when you and I met and you came in, you were called in to help us out with headshots as a corporate team. Yeah. And oh, the the it resonates completely that feeling you were talking about, about being in front of the camera, you know, sitting in a room with all the lights set up, the photographer going, and now let's have a natural smile for a headshot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it should be reasonably straightforward, but what's actually going on in your head in that space and all of the thoughts about, What's that photo going to look like? I don't feel like I look great today. You know, all those things, um, you know, I think so many people experience. And I remember you stuck in my mind right from that first time we met because I just thought to myself, wow, what an incredibly confident, uh, polished, um, you know, person that you were who was also incredibly warm and caring as you took people through that process. Um, but yeah, you kind of stuck in my mind. So I've sort of watched your journey since then. What led to um, doing your own thing? So you were you were starting to do some branding work already with the other organisation that started this journey for you. The defining moment for me was that what I was teaching at that organisation didn't feel in alignment with what I believed anymore. And I went, I'm going to start my own thing and developed something called the ratio system. And it was really focusing solely in the first instance on personal styling. It was only personal styling. So I was, I remember um, putting my first post out on Facebook saying that I'm starting this business that's focused on personal styling with my hands shaking. And I'm like, oh my God, what are people gonna think? And all of this noise within my mind. And I just said to myself in that moment, just commit to consistency. And each day I would just post and tell the world what I was moving into. and very quickly, Melissa, it moved from personal styling to personal branding, which is a whole other practice. Um, Because the women that I was working with were leaders in their space, who were at a crossroads, you know, before they would call, they would say something like, what they were really saying underneath their words was, how I'm showing up today is no longer in alignment with the woman that I've become, or the woman that I want to be. So as it would transform their image, they would step out there and go, oh, okay, wow, I I feel like a new person or I feel like the person I've always wanted to be or I am. And then they would come back and go, hey, now I want to go out in the media. Can you help me prepare? And I'm like, sure, I can help with that. Hey, now I want to start my own business. Can you help me develop my website? I'm like, I can do that. And it just evolved into this full suite agency where now I really have the honour of working with these incredible heart-based entrepreneurs and professionals who know they're here to be of service and know how important it is to show up with congruency, connection and conviction so they can actually make their impact. So um, so tell us a little bit more about, you know, who, who is, well, is there a typical profile of the sort of person that is, is finding you? They're definitely leaders. They're um, heart-based leaders. And I say that sounds a little bit corny, I've got to admit, but they genuinely have lived a life where there's this turning point of 
I've now realized why I'm here and now I really want to do something about it. So they're either starting, they're moving from corporate and they're launching their own business or they've been launching their own business, but now they realize the power of personal branding. They want to step up and be the face of their business. Mm -hmm. Um, So the thing they all have in common is their heart led. They really genuinely want to make an impact and they are needing to show up as the face of the business in order to build a connection with their market. And put themselves out there. Put themselves out there. Be visible. Be comfortable with being visible. Yeah. It's very interesting because most people in the corporate space, I think, are very used to um, selling a product or service. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a completely different thing um, moving into that space of selling yourself. Um, And I also think, you know, from a lot of the conversations I've had with so many people through um, the first and now the second series is, um, you know, for so many people, your career, up to a certain point in your career, it depends on kind of what you know. Um, Then you get to perhaps more senior levels where, you know, the relationships, the networks, all those things you've built matter. Um, And also, I think very much as you become more visible in that space, very much, um, you know, who you are, um, in essence, I think people are so busy doing, doing, doing throughout their career. And then they get to a point where it's like, okay, I've really got to be really clear about who I am and how I'm showing up. Yes. Um, So I can imagine that you offer a lot of support to people at that stage as well, not necessarily just people who are branching out into their own kind of careers. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I referenced in the bio that you, um, when you were 29, um, experienced um, a diagnosis of depression amongst other um, things. What was going on um, at that point in time? And are you comfortable with us talking about that and how that kind of influences who you are today and your business today? Absolutely. I was utterly exhausted um, of showing up as someone who, as that I thought I should be or needed to be um, when I really had no idea. I never really took the time to just sit with myself and go, Colette, like, who are you really? And why are you here? Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt so lost, Melissa. And I realized at the time as well, how, sensitive I am and how empathetic I am and how I easily absorb other people's energy and it the diet the schizophrenic diagnosis I'm really 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 proud of myself I guess for not using that label um, taking that label too seriously because as I was sitting opposite a psychiatrist the one thing he said to me was you can't tell between what's real and not real And in my experience of life, I was seeing things, I was feeling things, I was hearing things, not really realizing at the time that I was highly intuitive, very sensitive to energy and highly clairvoyant. The visuals that I was seeing were real. They just weren't real in that moment of time. So, and so when I, I needed to work through that, I needed, you know, other people will look at that and go, she had a mental breakdown. I look back on that and go, that was my spiritual awakening. That was, that was the moment where I landed in a hospital bed, looked up at the ceiling and went, I'm still here. What am I going to do? I can't live with this way of, this way of being. And I 
decided that if I'm going to stay, that I needed to actually make some sort of impact here. Like I needed to make an impact. Um, otherwise, for me, at that point in time, I was like, there's no point in being here. That was, that was I mean, a very hard <laughs> benchmark to put upon myself. But to this day, Melissa, I still think about, you know, getting to the end of my life and pretend, meeting the version of me that could have been if only I'd given it a shot. Yes. I'm so, like, that's a big drive of mine. Or, like, sometimes I see a visual of, oh, a grave site. This is very, <laughs> it's motivating to me. It's a grave site and it's saying she had a lot of potential if only she dot, dot, dot. Oh, oh. She had a lot of potential if only she dot, dot, dot. I was like, oh, that... I don't, want, I don't want to get to How the How often do you, I think that is, um, I think it is wonderful. And everyone's got their own way, I guess, of um, holding themselves accountable or, um, and I've spent also a lot of time in this series talking with people about comfort zone and about getting out of comfort zone. And you seem to have come up with the ultimate way of getting out of your comfort zone. How often do you use that? Uh, whether it be the visual of the gravestone or, or just the thought about meeting that person later in life who didn't take all those chances. How often do you refer to that? comes up in my journal quite a lot, uh -huh. um, especially just before I need to make a decision about, you know, actually even when I do make a decision, it's either I ask myself, is this in favour of my dreams or in favour of my fear? So... And then when I ask myself that question, I then go to, well, you know, if you were to get to the end of your life and you were to meet your, another version of yourself, would she have said yes to this opportunity? Um, so your diagnosis, were you, was that before you started your business? It was in between me being at the organisation and starting my own business. Okay. So you're in the hospital bed and you're thinking to yourself about my values aren't matching anymore. And a lot of people feel this. I mean, thankfully, a lot of people don't necessarily end up in the extreme situation that, that you ended up in. But a lot of people feel that um, my values aren't matching anymore. And, and then, you know, what do I do? And a lot of people feel stuck. And one thing I wanted to ask you about is I know a lot of people feel pressure to find their passion or to know what it is they want to do and, and all those sorts of things. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Um, you know, did you feel stuck or did you have kind of clarity about what you were going to do? I had no idea. And Melissa, I don't think I still have any idea. Um, I put a lot of pressure on myself to find out well, what is my purpose and why am I here? And I thought that that meant actually identifying a career path, but it's more so a theme. It's more so a theme. So I'm here. Um, it's all about identity for me. So helping fulfilling the potentiality of my identity and helping others fulfill theirs. And whatever vehicle that takes on, that's okay. Um, but I think, I think we put way too much pressure on ourselves to, like, this is my purpose. It's, it can be a downward spiral if we don't ever get there, I think. So how do you help people um, who turn up and feel like that? You know, do people turn up and feel like that when they're working with you or...? or you know, is that conversations you have to have with people? Mm. The very first part of any process is the, you know, the practice of self-discovery. There are so many questions that we answer together um, that prompt or birth and dormant ideas. And a big part of the question 
um, is really understanding, like it's, it's, oh, Melissa, it's about letting go of things that they thought they had to be um, and embodying who they really are. So one big part of that process is, you know, how do you want to show up today? I want to show up as reliable and trustworthy and um, someone that is honest, for example. And then the question then becomes, is that because you were told to be, that you had to be this way? Is that something that your mother, father, ex-partner told you that you needed to be? Or is this something that you actually really, really value? Um, that We do that, that sort of process before we even get into shooting the headshot, doing the development, creating the website. Um, yeah. But Melissa, a lot of people, when they get to me, have, have experienced a rebirth of some sort. They've had this moment in time where they're like, how I've been living is not how I want to live anymore. What I've been doing is not what I want to do anymore. Um, and they, they're pivoting. Because um, has something happened typically that's got them to that point? Um, you know, I think of some of the people I see um, in, in mentoring sometimes, you know, it could be, I mean, they, they may have been through a, a career changing sort of redundancy as an example that's forced it. They could have been through some sort of health, health issue that's forced it. This is a whole range of reasons, but is there any sort of common themes there in, that you see? Redundancy is a big one. Yeah. Health is a huge one. Yeah. Um, depression and anxiety is another big one. Yeah. Yeah. They just can't keep going as they have been going. Mm. Actually, one one woman who is a really valued client, we've had a long, really long relationship. She was one of the first women to sit on the executive board of a major bank. And um, she'd been there for 20 years and then decided that she really wasn't ever going to make the impact she wanted to make there. And she, no matter how hard she pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed, she just wasn't getting anywhere. Her, so she went, the, the more I pushed, the more my, my mental and emotional health is getting compromised. So she decided to venture out into starting her own business. Another one of our clients had cancer. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Lots of different reasons. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's obviously not a precursor to having to work with you, obviously. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we better. We thought we better make that clear. So, okay. So you are right back starting that um, journey, and you talked about um, needing to rebuild your own self confidence and your own self esteem as you went through that journey. How did you do that? Started from the absolute basics. I developed a stutter because my anxiety was so strong. I laugh about it now, but it was, it was traumatic at the time. <laughs> Uh, so I, I was broke. I moved back in with the parents. Like I was, I was at the bottom. So I started off with the absolute basics. And the very first thing I remember doing is looking at the mirror and looking at, like, I don't recognize myself. I remember saying, so it was looking at my own image using the pieces of fabric that I was choosing to wear at the time and transforming that. And the more often I looked at myself in the mirror and kind of recognized who I was seeing, I was then able to tackle the next thing. Okay. So um, do you, um, you know, we're also talking about leadership and you work with a lot of extraordinary leaders in your business. Um, and I'm interested, 
because you work with them on helping them through this journey, are there kind of, I think you started earlier about who do you want to show up as today and started to pursue some of those questions. Are there any other sort of themes or key questions that you encourage people to ask themselves as they're going on this journey with you? Uh, so a big one, so this is what I think is these important questions that any leader, in my opinion, would be asking themselves, including myself, so the questions that I ask myself. Yeah. So the first one is, am I truly showing up as who I am or who I think I should be? So, um, you know, being an introvert myself, I would ask myself, you know, there was a time where I thought I had to be an extrovert, extrovert to be a really great leader, rather than seeing the strengths and amplify them of being an introvert, which I think is a huge, a huge uh, positive trait of being a leader. So that's one question. Another question I would ask myself as a leader is, am I leading from the heart? Mm -hmm. um, when I first started my business, uh, Melissa, I remember I was modeling or emulating a woman in that I thought to be a really great leader. And I was taking on her personality traits and thinking that I had to be like her to be successful. And, and it didn't work for me at all because what I realized at the time is this leader that I was looking up to was instilling respect out of fear mm -hmm. when it wasn't my style at all. I, I'm highly emotional in a positive way. Um, I encourage open conversations. I value empathy and connections tremendously. And so that was another question. And this is something that I would ask my leaders that I work with to ask themselves, am I actually showing up with heart? Am I leading with heart here? And another one is, one that I touched on earlier, am I making decisions in favour of my dreams or my fears? So even when, you know, a client, for example, needs to show up for a media interview and, I, and we celebrate, like, fantastic, this is an opportunity to be able to share your message with more people so that you can insert here what their goal is. And if they were to say no, the question just, just become, like, are you making this decision in favour of a fear or in favour of a dream slash goal. Um, so that's something that I would highly encourage anyone to be asking themselves. What do you do to keep pushing yourself out of your comfort zone? I have a very interesting relationship with the term comfort zone. I wrote about this on social media um, a while back and I've decided that I don't want to push myself out of my comfort zone anymore. Mm, okay. And the reason for that is because I want to move into a joy zone. So what that means to me is that when I think of the word comfort zone, my nervous system reacts in, in a not so positive way. It's almost like the adrenaline starts rushing and then I move into this, I've got to push, I've got to hustle, I've got to make this work. Versus if I think about moving into a joy zone, I think about, well, I might have to do things that will make me feel a little bit uncomfortable or things that I've never done before. But the ultimate goal is just so that I can do more of what I love. And if I use that as my motivation, then I will say yes to that opportunity that makes me feel nervous because I know that's going to allow me to do more of what I love. That's brilliant. And I mean, it's turning around on its head, I think, that that dream space again, really, isn't it? That clarity, um, clarity, not clarity. Um, but I don't know, that a picture of where it is you're heading and using that as your guide in terms of does this opportunity put me in a better position to pursue that or not pursue that? Yes. Um, I think that's really powerful. And how does your body react when you hear the term 
comfort zone? So when I hear the word comfort zone, okay, this is very ironic. So comfort zone, my feels boring to me. Uh-huh. You know, crazy thing. Moving out of my comfort zone sends my nervous system into like I can feel it, like my heart beats faster. Um, you know that fight, flight, or freeze. <laughs> it feels it feels almost traumatic, honestly. It feels like because I'm I I think I've pushed for so long that I'm tired of pushing. I don't want to I don't want to push and hustle anymore. I want to thrive, and that to me means doing more of what I love. Mm. Where's your next stop? <laughs> well, the beauty of my journey is that I've been guided by some incredible people in my life where they've seen things within me that I could not see in myself within that time. And now what the conversation my clients are asking me are, can you help me secure my next book deal? Or can you help me secure speaking gigs? So now the organic evolution of this agency is potentially a management agency. Mm. Yeah. We help develop and then manage and represent world's industry leaders. And I say world. And I say that as I um, hesitate a little bit, Melissa, because it feels like a natural evolution of the business. At the stage that I'm at right now is the word for my year is exploration. So I set a word for the year. Instead of setting a goal, I set a word and I experience that year in alignment with that word. So I'm exploring my options at the moment, but that is one potential pathway. Mm. Incredible. Okay, so let's talk about, it's not just females that turn up to work with you. No. No. They are. 90% of the clientele that we work with are women. The 10% are heart-based men who are balancing their feminine and masculine energy. So what's masculine, what's feminine? When you use those terms, what does that mean? Mm, I don't align it necessarily to sex. I align it to energy. So I think of, you know, we all have masculine and feminine energy within us. Uh, masculine energy, if I was to create a picture around it, is a mountain. So it's unrelenting. It's this rock solid pillar of strength. Um, whereas the feminine energy is the river that is around the mountain. And at times it rages, at times it's really calm. And it's a balance of, it's remembering the masculine energy within us, which is the, the trustworthy, reliable determination, determined part of us. And then the feminine, which is the open, heart-based, emotional, intuitive, creative energy within us. And I believe that if we were to tip too far into either, we'd, we'd be unbalanced. So. There are some leaders, for example, when they first get to us where a woman who thinks she needs to be a man in a man's world would be very heavily embracing her masculine energy. You know, I've got to, I've got to be tough. I've got to be resilient. I've got to be all of these things. And the beautiful journey for her is about remembering how powerful the empathy and the connection and the emotion is, is part of being a leader too. So that's how I would place I play with masculine and feminine energy. Yeah. What do you um, attribute your success in this space to, Colette? My ability to connect, to see and hear what's not being told. And 
the more and more I celebrate who I am and embody more of who I really am, the more my clients are. How did you, and I want to ask you about confidence and courage as two separate terms and maybe think about that um, if appropriate in the response to this, but you talked about when you first started your business, emulating someone that you thought you needed to look at. When did that change? When I wasn't enjoying, I wasn't enjoying business. I wasn't enjoying doing what I was doing because I wasn't doing it in the way that was celebrating who I really am. So how did you change that? That moment again of looking in the mirror, the mirror is a very big tool in my journey of looking at myself in the mirror, into my eyes and going like, is this who I really am? Am I recognizing the person that I am today? And it's ironic that the mirror is, mirror is part of it because a lot of the women that we work with, especially in the personal styling bit, admit that they don't really look at, like to look at themselves in the mirror. It's confronting, especially if we're showing up as someone who, that we're not really celebrating at the time as well. Um, you know, there's this saying that I love and I tried to look up who said it, but I couldn't find, but it was, you are destined to be great, but first you must be brave. And so bravery to me is just, is looking at yourself in the mirror and asking yourself those, those tough questions, the ones that we usually run away from. Hmm. So, I mean, that leads me beautifully into, um, you know, probably one of our final questions, which is from your perspective, if I say the term brave feminine leadership, what does that mean? And do you think it needs to change? Brave feminine leadership is heart-based, conscious, connected leadership. That's what it means to me. And it's emerging of spirituality, intellectuality, and psychology it's not one or the other it's all of it and I think the only thing that really needs to change about it is for us to celebrate it more is to really acknowledge that it works so yeah it's a beautiful answer thank you so much for being prepared to share your journey with us today um, as I said from the start right when I first met you um, you know probably it's probably no surprise to me that that lady um, you ran into very early in your career, door knocking to try and find a marketing position, uh, recognised um, and saw something there. I think you've got some very, very special gifts and I love what you're doing with your business, Colette. So thank you so much for allowing us to share your story today. Oh, you're wonderful. Thank you. That made me feel nice. <laughs> Hello there. If you're enjoying the podcast and would love to accelerate your own growth and leadership, then head to bravefeminineleadership.com forward slash brave tips for your gift from me, where I've captured all of the amazing tips and themes that came out of these conversations. I hope they help you feel your brave rising.